0: I don't like to wait. Um, this is how I kind of gauge it a little bit if if someone likes to wait. So when you're at uh, a store and there's like, let's say you're at grocery store and there's like three or four checkout lines, who here scans them and begins to analyze, okay, which one is going to be quickest? Who, am I the only one or is it just... And when you actually pick the line, when you're standing in line, who keeps scanning at the other line and checking, well, did I get there or would I be behind that per Yeah, yeah. yeah? guilty? That's right. So if that's you, then you don't like to wait, just like me. <laughs> but I think it's a culture we live in today, which is immediate gratification or we want things fast. You know, look at online shopping. Who does online shopping? Or who does grocery shopping online and has it delivered? Again, it's, it's about not waiting, right? Waiting in line is not something that, um, that people enjoy today in the culture that we live in. Um, but we're in church today, right? So we're not just talking about waiting in general. We're talking about waiting on the Lord, right? Who here has waited on the Lord? Yeah, I imagine all of us have waited on the Lord. And I, something that I hope that we understand after today is that waiting is part of being part of Jesus' kingdom. Waiting is part of value of, uh, of the culture of the kingdom of God. And it, it goes against everything that we know, especially in the world, but hopefully after today you'll see that throughout the Bible we see person after person waiting on the Lord. I'm not saying that God can't move immediately and bring a miracle or something supernatural. It's not like God can't do that, but for some reason, and I don't really have a really good answer for this, um, but for some reason, he waits, right? And so we're going to look through the Bible and look at some of the people in the Bible and, and see that they actually had to wait as well. Um, Scott talked about some of these people last week in terms of covenants and things like that um, and the hope that we have, and, and that will be foundational, I think, of what we're going to talk about today. Um, So I'm really glad he did that last week, and I've been tasked with ending at a certain time. I think I feel really blessed today though, um, because it's not as hot as it was last week. (laughs) And not as hot as yesterday, it hit like 39, 40 yesterday, right, it's crazy. But we have a breeze today, so hopefully that keeps you awake and keeps you focused. And you're not in your mind going, what is taking him so long? <laughs> anyway, you can think about it. Um, but I'm hoping that what will, uh, you'll walk away with as well is that in the waiting, you'll understand that waiting doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. That waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that, um, we can't trust him. That waiting on the Lord, um, doesn't mean that he doesn't have compassion for us, right? Because oftentimes in the midst of the waiting, that's what we question, um, his care for us. Does he really care for me? And, and we'll see um, with some of these um, people we'll look at, um, the backstory is what you have to understand that they were l- lamenting to God, right, about this, but they always ended up in a place of, but I trust you. Like the last, like the song we, we sung, right? They, they didn't doubt God's goodness towards them. And maybe they did, but they wrestled with God and ended up at that place of trust in the goodness of God and his love and his care and compassion. So hopefully that's where we end up. That's where I'm planning to end up. So I feel like the Lord gave me this. I mean, I've been seeking God. I was like, okay, are you sure about this? Because the sermon kind of was birthed out of, have you been seeing this meme that's on um, Facebook or online that says, um, like, Noah waited 120 years, Abraham waited so many years, and you know, all this stuff, and it says, if you're waiting on the Lord, you're in good company, right? And so that kind of inspired me in terms of uh, the message and clarifying and just putting some flesh on 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 that meme. Um, I, I actually had a different passage that I was going to preach out of, but then... I just couldn't get away from, from this, so so let's let's get into it. Yeah, let's just pray a little. Let's pray, Lord. We just ask for your continued presence or continued um, ministry here, um, Jesus. You are the head of the of this church, and Holy Spirit, you are actively moving and participating within uh, this body here. And we just ask you do what you love to do and. Make Jesus known in greater clarity to all of us, and help us to encounter the living reality of your kingdom. Um, you love that, in Jesus' name, amen. So first person we'll talk about is Noah, right? And so I'm going to add a little bit of a correction on this meme if you see it, and if you see it pop up again. Um, you just can't believe everything that you, you read and you see and these little blips, right? So I encourage you to, to look it up um, because the first one, if you've seen it, says Noah waited 120 years, right? Um, and, and he probably didn't wait that long, actually. Um, when I was doing my research here, uh, Genesis 32, 532 says Noah was 500 years old. When he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? And then later on, uh, Genesis 7, 6 says Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came. Okay, so track with me a little bit here. Um, and Genesis eleven ten 10 says Shem was 98 years old when the flood came, right? 98. So, so he had Shem, the, uh, Around you know a little after he was 500, right? Um, people get 120 years uh, from Genesis 3, which actually says God has numbered the days of mankind to 120 years, and so a lot of that, but is true. But Noah actually didn't wait that long. He actually probably waited around 60 years until the flood came. Okay, because we read in Genesis 16. Uh, but God, God says, I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And so not only were his sons born after he was 500, but they were married. So imagine maybe they got married when they're 30 or 40 um, or who knows, but still it's less than 120 years, right? So he waited about 60 years. Um, I'm just going to do a quick overview, and then we'll reach back in and kind of unpack a little bit of things. So I'm going to spend a little time just, uh, just reviewing some of these characters in their narrative, just so it's fresh in your mind. Um, Abraham waited 25 years from the God, time God told him to leave his homeland of Haran, um, and, and Genesis 12.4 says he was 75 years old when he actually left, Okay. Um, And then it says he would inherit the land in Genesis 12.1, and the birth of Isaac uh, happened when he was around 100 years old, okay? That's what Genesis 21.5 says. So Isaac was born when uh, Abraham was 100 years old. So he waited about 25 years from the initial go to the promised land, um, and then until Isaac was born, okay? so. And so he left his homeland, right, just with a word from God. That was it, a little kind of word. said, okay, go leave most of all your relatives and head out to this land that I am going to show you. Um, And again, if you remember the story, a few years later, God speaks to him about his descendants. So after he's left, right, okay, he's followed one, a step of obedience and while he's on that step of obedience God reveals that okay I'm gonna make a covenant with you and your descendants will be as you know numerous as the stars or the sand or the grains of sand in at the beach that's what I thought at the beach right not at the desert at the beach um, and then 99, he gets another revelation confirming um, that he's going to have a son and his disciples are going to be, uh, descendants will be numerous. Um, And I'm going to try to stop saying um, okay? I just realized that was a really loud one. I'm actually purposely like keeping the microphone so I can, you can hear my um, um, ums, all of them. So maybe someone can count them for me. I had, (laughs) back in America, I was helping out at this church. And someone actually counted the, the ums that I, I was doing. And I think this is like over 15 years ago. And I think it was up there around 98 in a sermon. So hopefully I, I don't reach that many today. So again, so God actually reconfirms, okay, you're going to have a, a numerous descendants when he's 99 years old. So God speaks to Abram three times. Once to leave, once about uh, his first covenant, and then another time to reconfirm that when he's 99, and then one year later, Isaac is born when he's 100, okay? Jacob, you guys remember Jacob? Jacob waited seven years to finally marry Rachel. The re- meme says 14 years, but it's actually seven years, because he, if you remember the story, Jacob leaves um, his family and goes uh, to another country and to meet up with his uncle Laban. And he meets his daughter, Rachel, at the well, and he just falls in love with her. Um, I think if any man here was Jacob, you would fall in love with Rachel once once you saw her, no matter what, because the Bible actually says that Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face, right? And my conclusion is this, if the Bible says you are really hot and beautiful, come on, you can't get any better confirmation than the Bible saying that. So anyway, side note there. Um, So he actually had to, so he says, okay, sees Rachel and says, okay, I will work seven years for you um, so that I can marry your daughter, Rachel, right? And so he works seven years, and after seven years is up, on his wedding night, uh, his uncle Laban tricks him, and waiting in the tent to consummate the marriage is actually Leah, the older daughter, rather than Rachel, right? And so he ends up sleeping with Le- Rachel, and back then they are very conservative, and once you do that, I mean, that consummates the marriage, and you are married, committed. And so that happens, and he he realizes that's not Rachel, and so he goes to, to Laban and complains and says, no, I worked seven years for... Rachel, not Leah. And Laban goes, well, I can't really marry my younger daughter first. I have to marry off my elder one. And so a week after that, um, Laban says, okay, you can have my youngest daughter as well. So after a week after his marriage, ends up marrying and and, uh, consummating the marriage with Rachel. But he commits to another seven years of working with Laban. So he waited seven years for it, but he had to work 14 years For that. And if you remember the story, God's favor was on Jacob, and he was tending uh, the sheep and the flock and stuff. And whenever he, uh, whatever he did, no matter how uh, jealous his uncle got and how difficult his uncle made it for Jacob, the Lord blessed everything that Jacob did and his. Uh, flock that he was watching uh, and caring for multiplied, and his uncle's flock um, grew as well. But the Bible says that it grew because, and Laban says this, I have become wealthy, for the Lord has blessed me because of you. Um, And then Jacob says, you had little indeed before I came, but your wealth has increased enormously The the Lord has blessed you through everything I've done. So the the Lord's favor was on Jacob in this time, even though he got deceived and tricked and hardships, okay? Remember that. Joseph, talking about hardships, he waited 14 years from the time of his dream um, to becoming the second command uh, in Egypt to Pharaoh. I have references, but I'll just, for time's sake, just run through those. Um, an interesting part of Jacob's story is that if you read it, there's a couple times through the narrative that it says that, and the Lord was with Joseph. And if you remember Joseph's life, he was, one, sold into slavery by his br- brothers, and then uh, ended up serving in a, a Potiphar's house, and his wife wrongly accuses him of actually raping her. Okay, And he gets put in prison. And then he's in prison um, for a number of years. Um, and the, it's interesting. He's in prison. And then the king's cupbearer and baker, they have a dream. And Joseph interprets that dream. And, one, and they go, okay, when we get out, we're going to tell the king about you. And he surely is going to let you out. right? So he gets a bit of hope in the midst of this. And what happens? Do you remember? The baker gets his head cut off, and the cupbearer goes back to the king in, in service to the king, and he totally forgets about Joseph for another two years, right? So again, think about that. Think about that. You know, he gets hope, and then it's dashed away. But the Lord was with Joseph, Okay? You know, to, to kind of give you a little bit of a reflection here, as I was thinking through this and was rereading through this story, I was just thinking to myself, do we seek God for what he can do for us, or is his presence enough? Think about that. Um, whenever you in a prayer meeting or, or doing ministry or something like that, It seems like we put value on our time if God gives a prophetic word, releases a healing, or God does something in our midst. And we're like, okay, that was, we spent some good time there. That was worth it. But I'm just wondering, isn't God's presence just enough? I'm not saying that I don't love God moving. Don't hear my heart on this. What I'm saying is we put value on things of the kingdom when something happens. But isn't it just about God's presence alone that should make it worthwhile, regardless if he does anything at all? Again, here in my heart, I want him to move and things like that, but part of the difficulty, I think, of waiting today is, is this, especially in a Christian context, is that God's gotta do something before we say, ah, that, that, before we say that was worth our time, rather than just his presence alone. I just think about that, process that a little bit. Um, and then lastly, I'll talk about David. He waited 15 years from the time of being anointed by Samuel, 15 years, until he was actually made king by the men that he was leading at the time, Okay. It's funny that uh, when, when Samuel hears God say, okay, go to Jesse and his sons, and I will show you who's the next king of Israel after Saul. And he goes there, and Jesse comes, and all of the sons are there. And Samuel looks at the eldest son, what his name is, uh, Eliab, and says, ah, this must be him. He's probably tall and like had a, a presence about him, and this must be him. And God says, no, that's not him. And, and God says, no, nope, there's, there's another son. And so and Samuel goes, Is, are there, do you have any more sons out there? And uh, Jesse goes, yeah, I have one, youngest one in the field, tending the flock, and so they say, okay, go get him. When David comes, of course you know the story, Samuel sees him, and God confirms it, anoint him to be king. And another verse that's really interesting, in 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says, So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had, brought and anointed David with oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So when he was a teenager, got anointed to be king, Spirit came upon him and stayed with him. All through those 15 years uh, until he's was made king so the presence of the Lord was hopefully you're tracking with all of these people um, in some form or some way and what I think is happening if I put this before you and we can relate it to our own life is that in all of these stories we must understand that God was doing something bigger than just these people. I don't mean just like they don't mean anything, but I'm just saying more than each individual person. And I think the same rings true for us. We can be so caught up in our little world, right, what's before us and what's happening in our life, and we don't see the larger picture, the larger God story that he's weaving all around us with other people. And I think it's true, and we'll look at this a little bit more in depth, is that we'll see that with each of these people, God was doing something massive through these people that impacted so many people. And I think it's the same for us today. And if you're going through something, I'm not uh, making light of what you're going through. And I'll share a little bit of... Our, the last season, Winnie and I went through, which was really challenging. I'm not making little of that. And, and, and to be honest, I remember, and, and if you said this to someone going through a challenge, I mean, I, I'm not doubting the goodness of your heart, okay? But sometimes the timing of things, right? So, when Winnie was going through this, uh, the first time when we had Serafina, I mistakenly, I didn't didn't do this the second time, but the first time I mistakenly said, well, you know, God will probably use this, you know, so you can help other women going through this. And in the midst of what she was going through, that was the last thing that she needed or wanted to hear. Right? Because when you're in the midst of that, the last thing you... Right, are thinking about our other people. You're just thinking because you're suffering and in pain. And so I'm not, again, hear my heart. I said that out of, you know, I thought it would be a good thing to encourage her, but in the moment it it wasn't. And I just encourage you when someone is in pain or is hurting or or struggling or in a challenge, right, we just got to be there with them. Um, just sometimes as the Lord is, you know the Lord's with them, you know, sometimes we just need to sit with them, and be present with them, and not say too much, not trying to encourage them, and and just, uh, as Roman says, weep with those who weep, right, rejoice with those who rejoice, and allow them to be in that space, um, and in a sense, hold that space with them, you know, because the second time around when Winnie went through this with Evangelina, hopefully, I forget if she gives me a look or not, I did better this time um, and, and just held space with her because um, it's a powerful thing when you can just sit with someone in silence and, and, and be present with them and just your presence is comfort enough. Right? So they don't feel alone in the midst of that. And that's what Winnie felt. She felt alone. And I did my best not to try to fix it, not try to rush it, not try to, you know, cast something out of her or whatever, right? I did all of that the first time. And let me just publicly apologize to you, Winnie. You know, it, it just caused more pain for her. And so I just encourage you, if someone's going through a challenge, just sit with them, right? Um... Right, If they want to talk, let them talk, right? But don't try to push them too quickly through whatever they're going through. Because, um, you know, I used to say that God was inefficient, and I just repent of that because I don't think God is inefficient. Since coming to the vineyard, I love what uh, Kirk and Nicole say. God is slow, right? He's not inefficient, but he's just slow at times. Um, and I've come to realize there's a purpose of why he slows and there's a purpose to why he makes us wait. Um, and here's a nugget so you can take this one and then if you're, if I'm going too long, you can just take this home, (laughs) right? Get on your phone, but, um, because God moves slow or he makes us wait because he is doing something really deep within us that's what God is all about. He's transforming the very core of who we are. And I don't know about you, but when God is doing something really deep, he moves slow because he's so patient and has such compassion for us. Because sometimes, right, like I said, if people push you, right, too hard, it causes more pain and more suffering, more uh, uh, difficulty. And so I think God knows that. So He's not looking at the, the surface stuff, but he's looking at the deep heart and soul stuff of transforming that. And because he's working so deep, I think in his compassion and love towards us, he moves slow and he, and he makes us wait. Um, I have a quote later on uh, about that. But let's look at Noah. Let's look at Noah. So Noah um, had to wait 60 some odd years. And his life, imagine you're building this giant ark. You're the only people, and everyone is like, they're probably ridiculing him, making fun of him. Like, why are you building a boat in the middle of like, there's no like water nearby, all of this stuff. And he's building this boat, and and he must have gone through some really difficult challenges and criticism in the midst of this. And, And maybe you're like Noah, where God has asked you to do something, and in the midst of you're doing what he's asking you to do, you're meeting challenges. Maybe you're getting ridiculed, or maybe you don't have any support, or maybe there's, there's no fruit, right? Noah didn't have too many converts coming, right? Said, oh yeah, we want to join you in building this. God said it, yeah, let's, let's do this. And maybe you're in, in the midst of doing something for the Lord, and, and you're not getting support, and there's no fruit to that. Um, I know I've been in that place, and maybe we need to step back and understand and trust that maybe like Noah, God is doing something bigger beyond him. Think about it. If Noah wasn't obedient to what God said and built this ark, would humanity be saved? Maybe God would supernaturally, you know do that. But still, him building the ark was critically and crucially tied to what God was going to do next. And maybe if that's you, like Noah, you're doing something, and, and maybe you have to seek the Lord for revelation on this, but maybe what you're doing is actually tied to something bigger that God is going to do next year, or in two years, or hopefully not 60 years, <laughs> like Noah had to wait, but maybe it's tied to something bigger. And you just got to keep trusting that you heard God and keep working at what he said for you. Or maybe you're like Abraham, where God has given you a promise and you've been waiting for the fulfillment. He's given you a word of direction and you haven't heard from God for a while. Or maybe he gave you some direction, you were you started moving in that way and you're still waiting on God to confirm or, or give you the next step. And he did it with Abraham. Um... And I believe he'll, he'll do it with you. This is what I heard from Kirk the other day. We have like a, a business breakfast with small business owners. We meet together. And, and I remember we were talking about something, about promise. Or, and this little nugget came out. And I was like, oh, yeah, that fits perfect what I'm going to speak on. He goes, sometimes rather than anticipating the fulfillment of the promise, you need to move into a posture of stewarding the promise. Right? Again, this waiting Right? We're just like, okay, God said this, he has a promise, and we're just waiting, anticipating, oh, it's going to be today, it's going to be tomorrow, right? Uh, because we hate to wait, and we believe in faith that God wants to move, um, but maybe he's waiting and for a reason. Um, and when we move from a posture of anticipating the fulfillment into the stewarding of that promise until it's fulfilled, we still believe it's going to be fulfilled, but we're not being disappointed every day or every week because it's not happening because we're just it should happen today it should happen tomorrow or something like that rather stewarding this and just believing God and just waiting Uh, again I'm saying a four-letter word right wait anyway or maybe you're like Jacob right you had to um you've been working hard towards something because God supports us right it's not everything that we do God's Will isn't like a tightrope where we're just like, okay, God said I got to do this. And, and, you know, one misstep and we fall out of God's will. That's, we don't believe that here. I just want to say, reconfirm that. But God's will, um, he gives us options, right? He could put lots of good options before us and, and he treats us as mature adults, Right, I'm not telling when Sarah. I'm telling Sarah, you know what to do. Right, giving her guidance. But hopefully, when she turns 18 or right, she becomes an adult, and I won't have to like tell her every little thing of how she should do this. And I think that's how God is with us as we mature in the Lord. He actually gives us options and say, okay, think about your life. What what do you think is good? How do you how are you discerning? And as we make those decisions, we're not getting like revelation from God but maybe we get a little bit of a sense but even so we make decisions what's best for our family what's best for our life and things like that and I believe that God will support that decision Um, like Jacob right his favor rested on Jacob and no matter what he did right when God's favor rests on us he blesses the work of our hands Um, but think about Jacob's story he got deceived He got betrayed, lied to in the midst of all this stuff. And something that I really, 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 really love about God is that he can take what we think is a mistake and bring glory to himself and bring fruitfulness out of that. Think about that if you made a bad decision in your life and you're just like, oh, or maybe something happened to you and you thought it was a bad decision or or something happened to you and you're just like, oh, I'm ruined now or, oh, this has totally messed things up or you failed at something. Let me just encourage you that God can turn it around. He can use that for his glory and for his kingdom. And again, that's what I love about God. 1 Corinthians 1 uh Twenty-seven, you know, and to thirty-one says God uses the weak things to shame uh, the strong. All right, the things that are not to shame, the things that are. Right, God uses everything for His kingdom. And something that uh, Winnie and I learned is is that um, no matter what, God can bring about good from any situation. Now, let me just put a clarify here. God is not causing torment and trouble in your life. Just because God can bring good out of any situation, it doesn't mean that God caused that situation, right? I think that's a really uh, 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 a confusion that happens. We're like, we would conclude wrongly that if God can bring something good out of this, then he must have wanted that to happen to me. And that's not true. Lots of things are happening in the earth that God is upset and, and, and not happy and, and it breaks his heart for. But he can still, because God is God, bring good out of that, okay? It's a, or maybe you're like Joseph. Let me speed through these. Um, he's given you a dream long ago. Um, and that's what you've been holding on to. And you've gone through trials and testing that has challenged your faith in is this dream really from God Um, maybe you've been hurt cheated taken advantage of betrayed I mean look at Joseph's story wrongly accused but I want to encourage you that again God is is faithful and if you're doubting it ask someone more mature to really pray with you and seek God for confirmation on that but I just want to encourage you that we all hear God. There's no like special position or job title or it's not like you have to be praying. I don't know. You, you pick a time, right? Whatever your expectation in your mind. Oh, if I just am praying this much or reading this much of, of, of my Bible, then ah, then, then I'll be more spiritual, right? And I'll be able to hear God more. And I I don't think that's true. Of course, spending time with God is great and does sharpen us, but hearing from God isn't contingent on our religious activity. Okay? Think about that one. Or maybe you're like David. Um, He's placed a calling on your life and right now is working on your character and heart right now in preparing you for that calling. Um, God does this. When I was uh, back in America, I ended up meeting with one of my old Bible college mates, and he is, he's pastoring a church that we are both a part of. Then I, I moved on, and um, he eventually became the, the lead pastor there. Um, and we're talking about Willow Creek. Willow Creek is this big mega church back in America. Bill Hybels is the, is the founded that and was the senior pastor for a long time but something happened and he had to step down and uh, a lot of dramas happened Um, but on their website I just was curious okay they're looking for a new senior pastor I wasn't looking for myself I was like what what are their what are their qualifications that they are listing and I looked on there and I ran across this This person has likely weathered a season of great pain and loss, which has helped humble, refine, and shape him or her into a better leader and pastor. This is actually one of their qualifications. Um, and that gave me really encouraged me um, because I've gone through some deep pain and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, all right, there's a refining. God is... Doing something, he's not like disciplining me about it, right? Uh, maybe he he is. I don't know. But uh, anyway, that's a longer story. Um, but what I've concluded is you can't fake humility. Um, and just as waiting is a, a part of the kingdom of God, um, humility is, um, which is much lacking, I must say, in in leadership. Um, when I look at uh, different leaders or talk with different friends and stuff like that. Humility is a, is a, is a lost um, characteristic in the church. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I think one of the supreme qualities of the kingdom is humility. And I think that's maybe what God was doing in David, right? Creating humility. There was purpose and character and having him wait. I'm going to close here. I have more to say, but for sake of time, um, how do you know God is with you in the waiting? Right? I think that's the question a lot of us, God, where are you? Um, and I think first, we have to lament that to God. We have to allow ourselves... Uh, and give space to ourselves and uh, allow ourselves to yell at God, scream at God, express our disappointments, express our anger, express all of these emotions and not bottle them up, right? God's bigger than that. He can handle it all. We need to express that and, and wrestle with God and, and listen what God may, how he may respond to us. But how do you know God is with you in the waiting, in the midst of all of that? Isaiah 40, 27 to 31. It says this O oh Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O oh Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. We all are familiar with this passage, and hopefully I'm just confirming things for you or uh, reminding you of this but the way we know that God is with us in the waiting is that in the midst of the waiting whatever circumstance or whatever is going we seem to discover a new strength within us right that's what it says we'll find new strength and if that has happened with you or you've just you've almost reached the end of the rope and then all of a sudden you wake up the next day and you're like ah oh, I think I can keep going that's the Lord. That's how you know he's with you in the waiting. And it says you will run and not grow weary. Maybe, again, you're in the midst of something, and you're waiting, and you're just all of a sudden, again, you're just like persevering. You just don't know how you're making it through, but you're persevering through. And when you look back, I want you to If you're going through it, know that that's the Lord, or you're looking back on your story and saying, God, know that because you've made it through, God has allowed you to not grow weary in the midst of that. You know God is with you in the waiting. And finally, it says, we will walk and not faint. Right? Again, in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of your waiting, you're not, you can still push on through, right? That you discover that, wow, I can keep going. And so, again, I'm, I know I'm repeating myself, but um, I think it's important because that's the one thing that I believe across the board when we're waiting on the Lord, that's the one thing that we're asking, God, where are you? Um, but I believe we can trust that no matter what, God is with us. And I would say, Christian or non-Christian, God is with everyone, right? And let me just quote this. Brian Zand um, said this, Waiting is essential, for it is in the waiting that our soul grows quiet and contemplative and cultivates a capacity for awareness by which we can discern what God is doing when he does act. We have been seduced by an idolatry that deceives us into thinking that God is mostly found in the big and the loud, when in fact God is almost never found in the big and loud. The ways of God are predominantly small and quiet. The ways of God are about us, about as loud as a seed falling on the ground or bread rising in an oven. The ways of God are almost never found in the shouts of the crowd. The ways of God are more often found in trickling tears and whispered prayers. We want God to do a big thing while God is planning to do something small. We are impressed by the big and loud. God is not. We are in a hurry. God is not. We want God to act fast, but God's speed is almost always slow. So we are waiting for God to act, but I would suggest, and I love this part, that we are not so much waiting for God to act as we are waiting to become contemplative enough, to discern what God is doing. God is always acting because God is always loving his creation. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are always inviting us into their house of love. But when we are consumed by anger, harried by anxiety, or driven by impatience, we are blind and deaf to what God is actually doing in the present moment. And so, waiting is a value of the kingdom of God. That's it. Let me just pray real quick, and we'll close. Lord, we just, um, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that um, whatever words were of you today, you, you, you'd help people to remember, and it would remain, and whatever was extra and not, um, you just let fall away, Lord. But we ask just for your, your loving, caring, compassionate presence, because, Lord, um, that is enough that you, you promised to always be with us and to never forsake us, Jesus, but you are even now with us. And thank you for that, Lord. Amen.